This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Esports is a good aberration. We're still moving forward. We're part of something much bigger than sport right now. The health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. Happy Monday. And I'm Mike Lynch. I hope everyone had a great Father's Day weekend. And I'm Michael Barr. And the same as everybody out there, happy Father's Day belated. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. A lot of drama this weekend in the world Mm. of sports, guys. On the links, on the court, uh, some building drama as we head toward the Olympics. Uh, I think you know where I'm going to start. The Final Four (laughs) of the NBA is set. Was that you singing? (laughs) Suns Clippers. uh, I dare say literally no one saw this Final Four coming, Lynchy. If you are sitting in a in an office at TNT or anywhere, (laughs) any broadcaster, maybe even the NBA. This is not what you want from a ratings perspective. And yet, there are some great storylines here. There are. And if you're also uh, an executive at ABC or ESPN, you're not too happy right now with the fear of the four markets, uh, not major markets. But there are some interesting side stories. This Atlanta Hawks team taken over by Nate McMillan and Trey Young playing with a damaged shoulder. Uh, they're a, a pesky bunch that uh, doesn't know how to quit. Um, they withstood a number of waves and runs by a home crowd and a, a favorite, the number one seed, the 76ers. And uh, as Elton John sings, I'm still standing, baby. Yeah, pretty unbelievable. I mean, so Michael Barr, as you look across this, uh, you know, some of these storylines, what, what jumps out to you? Well, pretty much the same thing you guys said earlier. I'm sure... And when the uh, Eastern Conference final is now the Hawks and the Bucks, and, and congratulations to you, by the way, Jason. I know you you have yeah. the Atlanta ties, and they're there. But I'm sure the TV execs were saying, "Oh, snot, not this, man!" Yeah. Because you've got the Suns and the Clippers in the Western Conference. It, it, I could just see uh, something like a, a Hawks Suns contest. At least you want the Clippers in there. But yeah. if you have the, the Hawks and the Suns, or worse, the, the Bucks and the Suns, yeah. I, I, I don't know. And, again, that's no disrespect to the teams. I mean, anytime you, you get to this point, uh, you're doing something. But, I mean, for a TV exec, that, that's got to be tough. So here's how unlikely this Final Four is. The last time one of these franchises won a championship in the NBA, 1971. That would have been the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. There are only two titles among the four of them total, and one of them belongs to the Hawks when they played in St. Louis in 1958. I mean, these are not perennial powerhouses by any stretch. I mean, it's also interesting when we go a level down to understand sort of how we got here. The, the business of the NBA obviously is robust. We know that to be a fact. They came back to play. They managed through a lot of different COVID protocols. And yet, when we saw Game 1 yesterday with the Phoenix Suns, 
and the Los Angeles Clippers, Devin Booker went off a triple-double, but he was playing without CP3, Chris Paul, because he's under COVID protocol. So this is still lingering, Lynchy. you know, all the sort of COVID after effects and, and not even after effects, but the current state of the pandemic is still going to have an influence on this championship. You know, had the Clippers and Jazz uh, gone to an extra game, game one would not have started until tomorrow night, and there might have been a chance that CP3 could have played in this thing. But he's got to be in isolation for 10 to 14 days and then has to take two negative tests within 24 hours of each other. So there's no guarantee or lock that he's coming back in, in game number number two. And there's conflicting reports that whether or not he's been vaccinated or not. Uh, he's told some reporters that he was, and some other people really question that. Yeah. So we'll see how how that plays out. I mean, obviously, he's one of the the yeah. big players in, in all of this, literally yeah. and figuratively. He's the president of the Players Association. You know, he's ubiquitous on your airwaves with State Farm commercials and things like that. And as yeah. you say, Trey Young down in uh, down in Atlanta has probably emerged if you if you have to think about it from the perspective of who comes out of this, regardless, regardless of what happens next. Who comes out of this as the breakout star and someone who is the most marketable or, you know, increasingly marketable? It's got to be Trey um, at this point. And, you know, I'll, I'll be a little bit of a homer here, even from a business perspective. I do think that, you know, L.A. obviously is a big market, but you're talking about kind of the second fiddle team with sure. the Clippers. Um Atlanta is a fascinating market here, and I do think that what has happened, and I was texting with a bunch of friends last night in the aftermath of the game, I mean, this potentially starts a flywheel for this franchise under the Tony Wrestler ownership. You know, he's only on the team for a handful of years here. You've got Steve Coonan running the team, who's a very seasoned marketing uh, executive, marketing and broadcast executive. You know, winners draw other winners. They draw other players. Um, so we'll see what happens. And, and as I've said to you guys, I've said to a lot of people off air, these guys are playing with house money uh, in a lot of ways. And uh, I think the matchup with the Bucks is a tough one for the Hawks, for sure. Giannis certainly is coming into his own. I do want to do a beat, if we can, though, on the disappointment here in our backyard or in Michael Bars and, and my backyard, Lynchy, about the Kevin Durant-led Nets falling short you know this was a team that i think three months ago certainly when all of these guys were healthy or certainly six months ago when when durant and irving and harden were all healthy this looked like a, a clean march to to the finals mm -hmm. for the nets it did and we all know going back to larry bird and magic johnson that the nba is marketed by on individual play not teams yeah. individuals they go to michael jordan you go to lebron james you go to kobe bryant shaquille o'neal who are the personalities in this series right now both of them you get chris paul he's out trey young could emerge he's a very likable guy and everybody likes to root for the little guy against the davy and goliath and i, I think that I think that Trey Young is going to grab a lot of attention nationally. But marketing going into this thing to try to get the peripheral fan to watch, who are you going to sell them on? Giannis? I don't know. There's nobody really you can, you can, you, you can sell the peripheral sports fan and try to get them in to watch these two series. Yeah, interesting. The last thing I'll say about the NBA, and then we can move on, and, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about this over the next few weeks, especially depending on who goes to the final. I mean, you have, in the case of the Clippers, the Bucks, and the Hawks, 
you know, three pretty interesting owners insofar as, you know, Steve Ballmer, obviously, with the Clippers, you know, taking them to a new level. The Mark Lazary-led uh, ownership group there in Milwaukee. This has been a promise really built on Giannis and, of course, Tony Ressler um, down at the Hawks. This is this new wave of owners in, in many ways, and I think it, it'll be interesting to see what the knock-on effects of all of that is. So, meanwhile, uh, COVID also played a, a bit of a, a supporting role or, or an yeah. underlying um, role in the drama at the U.S. Open mm. because, Lynchy, this was fascinating oh, to I see Rom, who you know arguably had one of the biggest setbacks, a very 2021 setback just a couple weeks ago, and he comes back and wins the U.S. Open. Tell me, tell me what you saw. Well, here's what I saw. I, I immediately flashed back to two weeks ago, Saturday night, when he walked off the 18th green at the Memorial with a six-shot lead. He was going to cruise in the next day, win the championship, pocket the $1.6 million first-place check. Two officials walked over him and told him he tested positive for COVID-19. He dropped to his knees and said, no, no, not again. He immediately had to go into isolation. For 10 days, he couldn't come out until Tuesday of this week when all the other players had already hit Torrey Pines on Monday and were practicing. Meanwhile, he has a three-month-old son who his parents had never seen. They were on their way flying over from Spain. He was unable to be with them when the grandparents saw the grandchild for the first time. Now he gets to Torrey Pines on Tuesday. He's He's behind everybody in terms of practicing. He goes out there and he comes in and birdies 17 and he birdies 18. He takes first place, the U.S. Open, the first Spaniard to do it. Just a feel-good story all the way around. Uh, I, you know, I had tears in my eyes when, uh, when, when he won that thing. So, Michael Barr, you know, we talked about this even, even last week with Pete Bavacqua over at NBC. You know, golf needs these characters. It needs these dram- this drama in some ways in the absence of Tiger Woods especially. I mean, I think you, you posed that question to Pete very directly. You know, he had an answer, which was like, oh, we got a bunch of young guys. But but part of it is is that no no one can really match Tiger in a singular way. So you need all these other storylines in in part to, or, or in some, I guess, to draw a lot of eyeballs. I, I never understood fans sometimes when you would see it. It's just not golf, but you see it in, in many major sports where they will tell a story about an athlete, a personal story. Uh, as the the event is going on. And then some fans are like, I don't care all about that. No, 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 no. Those stories make up why we watch sports. We get emotional watching sports. We, we're we rooting for this team or we're rooting for this golfer. And, and Lynchy, you hit the nail on the head. I was watching that tournament when Rom dropped to his knees, and I'm like, what just happened? I didn't understand what was going on at the time, and I don't think the uh, the TV announcers knew what was going on either at first. Yeah. Uh, and as we went on, and it's like, oh man, you've got to be kidding! But good for that young man, twenty six years old. Yeah. And it it's it was nice to see it. All right. So meanwhile, <laughs> at Lynchy, how much do you love this like Kepka Deshamba? Like, I mean, this love is. It. This, candidly, is the sort of drama, I hate to say it, that golf needs two guys who just flat out don't like each other. You know, it's this is Ali Frazier, it's uh, Russell <laughs> Chamberlain, it's, uh, <laughs> you name it. It is, you know, the Hatfields and the McCoys, 
and it's pretty it's pretty healthy. You know, the, this big uh, celebrity match that's coming up with with the Shambo and Mickelson and uh, Rogers and Tom Brady. I would love to have them. And Phil Mickelson even joked about it. He said, "Wouldn't it be great if we could have Kepka take my place in this?" And then totally. he pauses. He goes, he pauses. And he goes, "But they wanted the PGA champion." Oh <laughs> <So>. snap! <laughs> no, but it so really took- is something. I mean, I was reading, I believe, on Sportico this morning about how their social media impressions are way up these two guys because it is yeah. drawing in. I mean, and this is building exactly on what you were talking about, Bar. Like this notion of it, you're bringing in new fans who are seeing this on Twitter or seeing this on Instagram. And regardless of what you know or don't know about the nuances of, you know, which iron to play from what distance given, you know, the weather conditions, everyone can relate to, you know what? I just don't like that guy. <laughs> and <laughs> and you're just seeing that play out. Uh, and, and again, it's not – it's a reminder to me at least that the way you're going to draw in new fans is not through – a sort of staid broadcast. It's going to be guys just being chippy with each other and, you know, tweeting something snarky or, you know, saying something under their breath or, you know, in this case, sort of an eye roll that ultimately goes viral. They should put DeChambeau and Kepka in studio together. And you remember, Lynch, you brought it up with the other Frazier Ali. Remember that in studio fight? Yeah. That was Howard, and yeah. Howard. Well, we don't know if this is real or not. And I, and I was watching that. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And it, but you're right, Jason. Golf needs something like this. And those stories is I'm going to be blunt. I'm going to play it up because it's fun sure. to watch and. Uh, it, it's it's about sports, and, and like you said, sometimes you're not going to like an athlete, uh, male or female, just because you don't like that athlete. I mean that that happens. So it's I think it's fun. So I I can't wait. The PGA actually has a forty million dollar bonus this year. Right. They're going to, they're going to distribute among ten players who move the needle on social media the most, and the person who does it the most is going to get a first prize of eight million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why you're seeing a lot of traffic now from the players. Totally. And and you have to think, I mean, there there's a part of me that thinks that somebody's going to catch like <laughs> these two guys like on vacation together, you know, <laughs> at some point, you know, like hanging out with their families and essentially being like, well, we got them. You know, I mean, there is this kind of reality show uh, element to all of this, but it is good for the game, you know, anything that engages people. And, and I do think, again, I just go back to this notion of everybody's got, you know, probably that man or woman at their office who's like, you know what? I just, I just don't like them. And, you know, you can really, um, you can really relate to it. And, and that's the sort of thing that, you know, the, the human piece of sports is always the thing um, that is that is most most appealing. And, and one of the things that we always see every four years, or in this case it's been five, is the Olympics. And, and that human element obviously comes through. I mean, it's become almost a cliché the sort of tug at your heartstrings backstories that we see as the Olympic broadcast comes on. And if you didn't uh, check out our conversation last week with Pete Bavacqua, the chairman of NBC Sports, you should listen to that because he talks a little bit about what's going to go on um, at the Olympics. They're going to have a thousand people, NBC Sports is, to stand up their broadcast. I think a hundred people are already over there. Um, The good news from the Tokyo Games is that 
domestic spectators, 10,000, uh, are going to be allowed uh, to actually watch the games in person. Lynchy, I have to say, I continue to be surprised. If you had told me a month ago, or certainly three months ago, Olympics definitely going to happen, I was in the, the Dowdy's camp on, on that. I mean, this is this is moving ahead, and it feels like the Japanese government and even the Japanese people have said, all right, well, I guess this is happening. Let's make the best of it. I think they're saying, you know, we post we had to postpone it last yeah. year. We don't have to postpone it, but we probably should postpone it this year. At the worst, maybe we can uh, stage the games without any fans at all. And now we've got 10,000 in there. But they may be mute because shouting and yelling is prohibited right. when you go to any one of these events. And you must wear a mask and you must go directly to your venue and go directly home afterwards. Now I know how they're going to police that. I mean... You stop off and just have a you know a burger and a beer. You know, who's going to say, well, you get Michael, you need to go directly to your home right now, put down right. that cheeseburger, and please, uh, <laughs> what? please step away <laughs> from the cheeseburger. <laughs> Sir, please step away from the cheeseburger. You can have a bowl of cereal at your home. Well, headquarters is going to hear about this. Yeah. No, it is, uh, is going to be but very think- different. This is not the Olympics we're used to, right? No, but then think about the you know this this the trickle down effect. I mean, so all right, we've got the uh, ten thousand fifty percent ten thousand max. All right, so there's fifty percent of ticket revenue is gone right out the window. The ones yeah. that they've already sold, they've already refunded eight hundred and forty thousand uh, p- p- different tickets at different uh, price levels. Concessions. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's the same discussion we've been having uh, since COVID began. Uh, the trickle down effect. Uh, so before we go, we're going to do some, a little walk down memory lane here. But I got to ask you about what's going on with uh, the Celtics, uh, Lynchy. You know, I mean, here I am reveling in the Hawks sort of moving in. And we've got Paul Pierce. We've got Kimball Walker. Like, what's ha- give, me, give me the 30 seconds on what's happening with uh, that storied franchise. They need a coach. You better assign Nate McMillan down in Atlanta pretty soon or the Celtics are going to scoop him up. That's that's A. B, Kemba Walker didn't play in any back-to-back games this year, missed the first 11. They owe him $73 million. He's gone uh, to Oklahoma City. Paul Pierce is launching a new line of uh, cannabis products. They're going to be under the label The Truth. They're going to be with a marijuana operator, the Hubcraft. Uh, it's going to be lotions. It's going to be concentrates. Uh, it's going to have a flower next fall. He claims that after he was stabbed in 2000 in a nightclub in, uh, incident, that all the prescription drugs were given to him by, by, by team doctors didn't work at all. They were very addictive. And smoking marijuana helped him relax, cure his anxiety, his depression, and helped him sleep. And somehow he passed all the drug tests for yeah. 20 years while he was doing it. Yeah, and of course, Paul Pierce uh, was in the headlines not too long ago being mm-hmm. fired at ESPN for an Instagram live video that, um, you know, maybe was not the most appropriate thing for uh, for an on-air personality or, or even a uh, or even a player. So sounds like he's sort of moving into, I dare say, a, a more appropriate business for, for, the, <laughs> uh, for the lifestyle um, that he is pursuing. All right, so as we wrap up here, uh happy father's day belatedly uh to both of you hope you're able to enjoy your families so uh any sport i'm I'm gonna open it up and say and ask any good sports related memories or just you know a memory in general recent or or either personal or observed mine i will say was observed and 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 not personal and i'll wait till the end so lynchy go ahead 
I'm going to have to go with John Rahm yesterday. I'm thinking of all the great days I had with my dad just simply playing catch or watching um, the U.S. Open together on television. But John Rahm yesterday when he held his little three-month-old son and he said, you know, you have no idea what's going on, but you will know someday. And just coming back from, the, from COVID, winning it, he got to see his parents out on the 18th green. That tugged at my heart, uh, to, again, to use an overused phrase. And that's my Father's Day memory. It happened uh, tw- less than 24 hours ago. All right, Barr, you're up. I remember my father was a big fisherman, and we had this little cottage uh, in in Canada, in, in Ontario, Rondo Bay. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget this. So we'd go up there uh, several weekends, and uh, this particular Father's Day, uh, we went fishing. And <laughs> there was, you know, and I'm, I'm – just I'm just like an eight-year-old kid, and we, you know I'm fishing out there, and he's got the reel, and I got my little cane pole, and I caught a fish, and he said, "Hey, that's good, son," and then I caught another one, and another one, and another one, and you could see just as the face of his was going <laughs> away, it's like, now what in the sandbill is this? Well, I just happened to be a school of fish there, and uh, the fish were biting for me anyway; they weren't biting for dad. Well, that's a, that's a very nice memory, very nice story. I'm going to close this out where we began with the Atlanta Hawks. And if you were watching the broadcast last night, you saw Trey oh, Young. Yeah. He walked into the tunnel, then he popped back out, took off his jersey, and ran up a little bit of, of ways into the stands and uh, tossed, his, uh, tossed his jersey to his dad. Uh, Rayford Young, who he is named for his full name, Trey Young's full name is Rayford Trey Young. Um, and there's a great tweet from uh, from his dad, actually, from last night. It says, my relationship with the Trey Young at the Trey Young is something that I hope all fathers have. Since sixth grade, I've texted him before games to remind him of who he is and how hard he's worked. He told me last night what my Father's Day gift would be. So very sweet. Um, and for all of us who have gotten the chance to watch our kids excel at sports there's nothing better there it, it's better than achieving anything yourself is is watching that uh, happen so uh felt really good for for trey to have his dad there and and just a reminder i think of how far we've come even over the course of this pandemic where you know we all had to watch our kids or watch our favorite teams via you know local live links and youtube highlights and tweets and things like that uh, to actually be able to to see, you know, to sort of see your own uh, out there mm-hmm. is a very, very special thing. So very happy yeah. that uh, despite the fact that he was very much in enemy territory, <laughs> that Rayford Young <laughs> was able to see uh, Trey pull out that win. And good for Trey for sort of like realizing that that would be a very special memory to instantly have uh, to, to toss that jersey to his dad. And, and, and do you think the Philly security police could have just stepped out of the way and let him come up and give his father a hug? You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there, were, there were two of them. He had to toss exactly. it over two heads to get it there. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly – well, that's true. That's true because let me tell you, there were no Sixers fans hanging around there at that point. They were uh, they were going to drown their sorrows somewhere, uh, somewhere in the greater Philly area. I think any time you have uh, – Trey Young's shoes and their nickname, the Ice Tray. I think that's great. I love it. <laughs> this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at LynchyWCVB. 
And I'm Jason Kelly. Find me at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week. We're going to catch up with Benjamin Nazarian. He's the CEO of Therabody. They have gathered an impressive roster of athletes who are endorsing their product. It's all about recovery, as well as my interview with no less than one of the greatest of all time, David Beckham. So check that out as the week goes along. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, wherever you get your podcast.